Miss Marie is on the second row. What in the world is going on? I've been praying for her to come forward all these years. And she's almost there. Hey, Amen. We're going to have a good year. <laughs> Did I embarrass you? I'm sorry. That's funny. Psalm chapter 19 is where we're going to be tonight. How did 2023 go for you? What, was it a good year relationally? Was it a good year financially? Was it a good year spiritually for you? Um, we're in a new series called Where Did It Go? I, on my, on my way down to uh, Missouri, we left after Christmas, it was a Tuesday, and my wife is so sweet, she drives the whole way, and uh, it's not really that nice. Um, I'm just so bad as a driver that she just takes over, so so she drove, and I had these headphones, and I tried to talk to her a lot along, along the way, but eventually you get to where you want to watch something or do something, so I have these headphones. They're the wireless ones. They have the little thing, you know what I'm talking about, and I put them in, and, um, and we're going down. I'm not saying this at all for you to feel bad for me. I'm just trying to connect with you to the, to the, to the sermon. That's what I'm trying to think of. Thank you, uh, Angie, for looking at me weird. Um, so... <laughs> So I literally, I'm dri- we're driving down the road. I decide, okay, what I'm watching, Megan needs to hear and, you know, the kids. So I took out my headphones and we we're watching it. And that's the last time I saw those headphones. I don't know where they are. And it says they're on the side of I-44. You know how your, my phone will tell me where, where it is. And it says right now that it's on the side of the road in I-44, but it never came out of the, I didn't like roll down the window and chuck them out the window. I don't know where they are. We looked everywhere we could for those stupid headphones. And so I guess I just don't have this. Anybody ever lose something like that and you have no idea how you lost it? Anybody, you guys know what I'm talking about? It's like, maybe God doesn't want me to have them. I don't know. what. Then they just vaporize into into thin air. And you know what? Um, That literally happened. And where did it go? Like I made a slide about it. No, we, we, we came up with this series because uh, January is always a time for me, it always is this way, where I'm trying to think about um, my stewardship. My, we, anybody in here make goals this time of year? Or you, some of you do, some of you don't. Okay, good. So, you know, the second Friday in January, you know what they call that? The second Friday in January is called by some Quitter's Day. It's the day that everybody quits the goals that they started in the beginning of January. But here, here's what I want you to know. There are some basics that we can't avoid when it comes to managing our lives. Um, when it comes to our finances, you'll tend to be better. Uh, your finances will tend to be better when we properly give, when we properly save, and we properly spend. Uh, we are stewards of what we have. Who agrees? We're stewards of what we have. God owns it. We are stewards of it. We manage it. And when you're managing it well, you tell it where to go. When you don't manage it well, then you say, has anybody ever gone, where did my money go? Right? Where did it go? Uh, When it comes to your health, 
I'm preaching to myself here a little bit. We, tends to, our, our, we will tend to be better when we eat well, when we exercise well, and when we pay attention to our bodies. The older I get, the more I realize um, my health is not something that is just going to always be here. You have to steward your own body to make sure that you... I've always had energy, and now I'm having less energy. I'm getting more and more tired. Anybody feel that way in here tonight? Okay. None of you. Okay. We, we, we steward it. Our, our, um, we are stewards of what we have, and if we don't steward what we have then we'll be forced to ask the question at some point, where did what I have go? Where did it go? What about your relationship with God? <clears throat> what about your spiritual life? You're like, Pastor Ben, you're talking to this is a Sunday night crowd. I know, but I'm asking you this question. How are you doing in your relationship with God? What about your spiritual life? I, wanted, I don't want to present this idea to you, and it's not going to be something new. This is going to be, for some of you, like a, a reminder, but it's something I think it's very important. The quality of your relationship with God and others is directly related to your interaction with God's Word. Your, the quality of your relationship with God and with others is directly related to your interaction with God's Word. How you steward your relationship with God through His Word is of utmost Importance. And so today, tonight, I want us to look at Psalm chapter 19. And in Psalm chapter 19, I want to make the case that you should read and obey the scriptures how often? Do you see the word up there? You should read and obey the scriptures whenever you want. You should read and obey the scriptures periodically. You should read and obey the scriptures. Once in a while. No, no, no. Every day, and you need to do it for these three reasons. Now, here's the first reason. The first reason you should read it daily and seek to obey it daily is because of, number one, the quality of Scripture. The quality of Scripture. In Psalm 19, David starts out this incredible song. You know, Psalms are songs, right? I'm excited about in um, a couple months, I don't know exactly when, we're going to finish Hebrews, we're going to go into another series that I have planned on Sunday mornings, and then we're going to do uh, a series in the Psalms, and we're going to be singing together, and we're going to be singing the Psalms, then hearing the word preached, and then going back and singing the Psalms again, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Is that exciting to anybody? I think it's going to be fun. Um, so the, the Psalms are, is, this is Israel's songbook. And in Psalm chapter 19, David starts out this incredible song with an incredible truth. And that truth is this, that God has revealed himself. God is making himself known to all mankind. How is he doing it? He's doing it through the created world. Read this with me, Psalm chapter 19, verse Number one, it says this, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day speech uttereth speech and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice, what, whose voice? The, the heavens voice, where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone throughout all the earth and their words to the end of 
the world. I've used this illustration before, but I want you, uh, it's so apropos to what we're talking about. What is David talking about in these first uh, few verses? He's talking about the stars of the sky. He's talking about the heavens. He's talking about um, the created world, right? And he says that this created order, the stars themselves uh, declare the glory of God. You know, when the Bible says, the Bible says in another passage of the scripture that he breathed out the stars and he calls them by name. There's a passage that says, and he made the stars also. Now I want you to think about this. On Christmas Day 2021, NASA launched the James Webb Deep, Tape, Deep Space Telescope. Do you remember me talking about this before? This was a telescope that was launched literally on Christmas Day two years ago. Billions of dollars were spent on this particular thing, and, and they had, it, it's just crazy. But not much longer after it went out there, some of the first images it took, it's different than the Hubble telescope. The Hubble telescope is really close to orbiting here in, the, on our, in our orbit. This is thousands and thousands and thousands of miles in deep space, now taking pictures, photographs of even deeper places in space. And so these are images that they're getting that are further out than anybody's ever gotten before. Not much longer, they sent back this image. You guys remember me showing you this? This image, when you see the dots on that image, you see a bunch of dots here? Somebody guess how many dots are on there. Anybody want to guess? Thousand? Million. I have no idea how many dots are on this. But if anybody's right, I think Pauletta Henley is right. Amen. She's a good lady. Okay. What they said about this particular photograph that's been taken within the last two years is every dot of light you see on that thing more than likely is not a star. It's a galaxy. Think millions of stars, not just one. And everybody said, wow, yeah. And that black patch right there that, that photograph, you're like, how much of the sky does that make up? Here's what they said. That picture from our perspective and the number of stars, the number of galaxies, each one of them millions, that's billions of stars, trillions of stars that you're looking at, represented-wise, would be the same amount of the patch of sky. What you're seeing there, he said, if you took a grain of sand and put it on the tip of your finger and put it up to the night sky, whatever part of the sky is being blocked by that grain of sand on your finger is what this part represents right here. So that means as you go all over the sky, there's just billions and billions and billions and billions of galaxies. Do we serve a big God? Amen. We serve a huge God. Every one of these stars is saying, there's a God. There's a God. He is huge. And it's amazing, he's big enough for us to go, wow, that is huge. And then he's also loving and caring about enough about us that he cares about the details of your life. The hairs on your head are numbered. For some of you, that's a lot easier to figure out than others. We serve a big God, don't we? And if that makes you feel small and makes our God seem big to you, you know, that though immense, this universe is still finite. But our God is infinite. 
His glory goes beyond description. His size goes beyond comprehension. And yet, even in his immensity, he is declaring himself to us through his creation. When you go outside and you see the stars and the created world, you realize, I didn't make this. Somebody did make this. This was designed. A painting demands a painter. An automobile demands an engineer. In fact, I was engineered. You are engineered. You can go as far as you want that way and think, wow, there's a God. And then you can go down into our very bodies and go, man, God made us. It's an amazing thing. The psalmist says that when God created the world, part of what he was doing is declaring himself to us. He was letting us know that he exists. In theology, we call this general revelation. There's general revelation and there's special revelation. The question then rightly becomes, how do, if God's trying to communicate, hey, there's a God, then how do we rightly communicate back? How do I know what this creator wants? What does this person want from me? And the good news is this, the creator has communicated to us beyond creation. He hasn't just communicated to us through the stars. He has also communicated to us via special, supernatural revelation. And that's where the psalmist goes next. If you go down in Psalm chapter 19 to verse 7, here's what it says. This is amazing. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Now I'm going to pause there. In this psalm, you see multiple terms that refer to God's special revelation. On the screen, they're marked in green. Do you see them? What are they? Law, testimony. St- okay, you with me? Let's all say it. What are they? Law, testimony, statutes, commandments, fear, judgments. There's a repetition here. Remember, this is a song. So here he's, who agrees? He's talking about the revelation that comes from God. He's talking, now the Psalms were written before the New Testament. And when the Psalms were written, not all of the Old Testament was written. You understand that. So when he's talking about here is, basically descriptions of the special revelation that they already had. Here he's talking about the law, the testimony, the statutes. And that's an amazing thing. God's special revelation has been progressive. What I mean by that is that when David wrote it, these were apt descriptions of the special revelation of God that they had. One may argue that the word fear doesn't refer to God's special revelation. It is definitely less direct a term for Scripture. Yet we know that the Proverbs tell us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. God is the source of all wisdom, and properly understanding God and learning from Him through special revelation does start with fearing Him. The first reason why you need to read God's Word daily has to do, what's my point? I'm talking about the quality of Scripture. So who... Let's, let's vote together 
exegesis by voting. Okay, that's not necessarily a good thing. Who agrees that he's talking about the scripture? Okay. Now look at what he says about the, the scripture. He says, the law of the Lord is, what does it say? Perfect. What does perfect mean? Here it's talking about complete. It has a completing effect. The, the law has always been exactly what God, God is never late. He's always on time. And the revelation that every person has ever had is exactly the amount of revelation that God wanted at that particular time. You're saying, it's not complete, Pastor Ben. The New Testament hadn't come. What I'm saying to David, when he wrote that, he had exactly the revelation that God wanted him to have. Do you get it? And so it says the law of the Lord is perfect. It's complete, and it completes us. It's entire. It says the testimony of the Lord is sure. This word for sure means it's verified. It's able to be believed in. It's able to be trusted. It's something we can rely on. It says here that the statutes of the Lord are right. The word here is most literally understood as straight. It's not crooked. It's not wrong. It's upright. It's straight. It's pure. What does pure mean? It's without blemish. There's no wrong in it. It's clean, it says. It's true and it's righteous. These are apt words, apt descriptions for, for what the Bible is. Now, these are words that cannot aptly describe the words of man. Outside of Scripture, could this be said in totality of any other book, of any other collection of ideas? No way. Could you, could you say could you say this about cable news? Could you say this about the writings of mere men, of politicians, of sages, of philosophers? Could, could you say that the words of some institution were perfect and right and clear and sure? No, there's no place we can go outside of the word of God that would give us a collection of, of scripture that could be described this way? Is there any church that could say that everything it has ever taught or done has been completely without fault or blemish? We believe in biblical authority because we believe that's where the authority is. It is where the authority is because of whose word it is. Who wrote this book? God did. Now notice one thing it says, over and over again. The law, what's the next three words? Of the Lord. The statutes of the Lord. The testimony. You aren't getting this. What is it? Of the Lord. The commandments. The judgments. It's all, it's all from him. And so because, of, because it's from the Lord, it has the qualities that he possesses and what he says is true and right and perfect and pure and clean and true and righteous. Isn't that awesome? What a gift we hold in our hands. What a miracle to be able to think God's thoughts after him. It's an incredible thing. You have the thoughts of God given to you to inform your day, to guide your life, to change your heart. And you know what that means? You need to read it every day. You need to read it every day. You need to read it every day. every day. 
Here's the second reason. Not only because of its quality, number two, because of its effect. Because of its effect. The psalmist doesn't just say something about the quality of Scripture. He's, he says something about its effect. What does the Scripture do when it's read and heard and learned, applied, and obeyed? Well, let's ask the question of the psalmist and see if he answers it. Ready? The law of the Lord is perfect. How perfect is it? Well, it converts the soul. It's so straight, it has a straightening effect on the person. I have watched this happen in people's lives, and you have too, where that when they take in the word of God, it begins to to transform them and to change them. You know what? I have no capacity to transform anybody's life. I have, I have a hard time trying to change my life. But God's word will transform people's lives. It will absolute, absolutely transform people's lives. How, how perfect is the law of the Lord? It converts the soul. Here's another one. How, the testimony of the Lord is sure. Well, how sure is it, David? Making wise the simple. Anybody in here simple? <laughs> I am simple. People that don't have a lot of sense get sense from the Lord and become wise. You can become wise by learning from your mistakes or you can become wise by learning from the Lord. The testimony of the Lord is so sure it makes wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right. How right are they? Well, they rejoice the heart. When you learn to love the word of God and you apply it to your life, the end of that is blessing. There's all kinds of joy that comes from obedience to God's word. The commandments of the Lord is pure. How pure is it? It enlightens your eyes. God's word helps you to see the way God sees. And when you see how God sees, you'll do what God says. God's commands are, are directional, right? Um, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, right? God's word is directional. It will give you direction for life. That's an important thing. The fear of the Lord is clean. How clean is it? It endures forever. There is never a situation, nor will there ever be a situation, in which fearing the Lord will be a bad frame of mind. A million years from now, we will need the fear to fear God. Understanding who God is and who we are will always lead to a proper and pure fear of God. When we think like he thinks, then its effect will be that we will do, as I said, what he says. It says here, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Verse 10, more to be desired are they than gold and than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey on the honeycomb. Here, its effect is this, they're, they're, able, they're, they're to be desired. Um, if you had a choice between a pile of gold on this side and the effect of living according to God's word on this side, which one should you choose? You should choose all the time. It's more to be desired than gold. <laughs> Why? Because gold goes away. Can you harm yourself with gold? Can you harm yourself with gold? Anybody ever hear about these people that win the lottery? And it's like the worst thing that ever happened to them because all of a sudden their stupidity has legs. If you know what I mean? Their simplicity, their unwise behavior now has 
more resources and now they destroy their lives with it? Yeah, of course. Wisdom that comes from God's judgments and testimonies and all of that is so much better than gold. And in fact, there's passages of scripture in, in Psalms and Proverbs that says, hey, if you get wisdom, you can get gold with that. If you need resources, who's, God's okay with us having resources. He's just not okay with those resources having us. He wants to have us. And, and then it says this, sweeter also are they than honey in the honeycomb. That, that means that this is something that will satisfy us and will, and will be a joy to us. What an amazing effect. Paul said in the New Testament that the scriptures are able to make us wise unto salvation. This is what, like what the psalmist says in verse 11. It says, moreover, moreover, by them, by the scriptures, the judgments, the righteousness, and the testimonies, moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. What's the effect of scripture? Uh, we're warned. Anybody ever need to be warned? Like, stop going that way. It's going to hurt you. Yes. And in keeping them, there is great reward. We are warned about danger. We are warned about the effects of sin. We are warned about the danger of unbelief. Verse 12, who can understand his errors? What, what does the scripture do? It helps us to understand our own sinfulness. We need that. Cleanse me thou from secret faults. There are people potentially in this room who are dealing with secret struggles and you're involved in sin maybe even keeping it private. And this scripture says, hey, you can figure this thing out. The word of God can clean you. My mom used to say this to me, be sure your sin will find you out. Like I said this morning, what's kept in the dark grows. Hidden sins destroy. They eat away like cancer and eventually they destroy the host. And light is a great disinfectant. Repentance and restitution are necessary. If they're not addressed, then they'll have dominion over you. Look at verse 13. It says, keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. You know, our memory verse that we said tonight came from last week's Sunday school lesson what was last week's Sunday school lesson about? Remember? Cain and Abel. Wasn't that right? Cain and Abel. Huh? Oh, you didn't have it. Oh, you missed out on a great lesson. <laughs> Who canceled Sunday school? What was he thinking? Grab your Bibles. Go to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. Adam and Eve have a son, Cain, and then they have a son named Abel. Cain was a, what kind of, what kind of, uh, he's a farmer, right? What was Abel? Shepherd. Good job. You get Sunday school points. Look down in verse 3, and in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought the fruit of the ground and offering unto the Lord, and Abel he also brought the firstlings of the flock of the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very mad. 
He was angry. I'm going to start using wrath more. I think that's a good word. He was very wroth, and his countenance fell. You ever see somebody and they just look mad? Some of you, you look mad and you're not mad. That's just how your face is. That's just how some of you are. You're like, are you mad at me? No, I'm not. I'm fine. Okay, well, tell your face. Okay. Um, Cain, you could tell he was mad, right? Verse 6, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shall not thou be accepted. What is he saying? If you did right, if you just did the right thing, if you had obeyed, it'll be accepted. And he's almost like saying, and when you do this again the next time, just do the right thing. You get it? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth out at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Here, God is describing to Cain how that sin is like a predatory animal at his door. And what he's basically saying is, listen, sin wants to take you out. And if you don't tame the predator, if you don't have dominion over the predatory animal, that predatory animal will have dominion over you. You either tame the tiger or the tiger takes you out. Do you get it? Now what, now let's, that's what God's advice was, right, to, to Abel, what happened? And Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. I'm, am I my brother's keeper? Yes. Yes, you are. Interestingly, I'm not going to preach another lesson to you, but he says, when, when God came to the garden looking for Adam and Eve after they had sinned, what did God say? Where art thou? He comes here and says, verse 9, and the Lord said unto Cain, where is Abel? Where are you at? Does God know where he's at? Yeah. Why? Verse 10, and he said, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now thou art cursed from the earth, which has opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. Here's something interesting. When Cain um, brought forth his offering to um, God, it doesn't say that he brought the first fruits. It just says that he brought an offering. Now, some would say, well, Cain's offering was fruits and vegetables and Abel's offering was a blood sacrifice. And that seems to be a theme in scripture that God wants blood, right? But that's not enumerated in the passage. It says here that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. But Abel brought the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. It may be that we know this, God didn't respect his offering. And maybe he knew Cain's heart. So maybe Cain, the reason, this is speculation. I'll tell you when I'm speculating and when I'll, I'll tell you when it's thus saith the Lord. 
Maybe. Have you ever heard of somebody not bringing a proper offering because they don't want to give up what they have? Has that ever heard? Have you, has anybody ever heard of that? Right. That happened, it's happened several times in Scripture, right? Has anybody thought of like, man, I'm not going to give God my best? Why would somebody feel that way? Why would Cain feel that way? Because I worked hard for this. This is mine. Whose is it? Right. And what he's worried about is giving his best to the Lord, giving, giving the fruit of the ground to the Lord. But what happened? He didn't tame the tiger. Sin had dominion over him. It led to him killing his brother. And what's the end result? The end result is he can't be a farmer anymore. Isn't that what it is? Look at it. Verse 11, and now art thou cursed from the earth. The thing that he was scared about having happened to him is exactly what he got. Isn't that like sin? When thou tillest the ground, verse 12, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A, a fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cade said unto the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Here's my point. The word of God helps us to not let sin have dominion over us. Isn't that what it says? Keep back thy servant also for presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Hebrews says this about scripture. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. The, the word of God is alive. The word of God is alive. And it will expose what needs to be exposed in us. That's why the scripture also tells us not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God that's in us. Why would he be grieved? Because he's permanently indwelling and sealing the believer that he cannot leave, who sometimes is disobedient to what he has said and where he's leading. What we need to do, what we need to do is to have a place and a time and a plan to let that scripture of God and the spirit of God have the effect of the word of God. And it's the word that, next slide real quick. What do we say it did? Here's the effect. Let's just put it into one slide, okay? What does it do? It converts us. It makes us wise. It rejoices our hearts. It enlightens our eyes. It warns us. It brings reward and, with obedience. It exposes our sin, and it brings us freedom from sin's dominion in our lives. How cool is the Word of God and its effect on us? Why should we read the scriptures every day? Because of its quality and because of its effect. Number three, finally and similarly, we should read the scripture every day because of number three, its aim. Its aim. Look at verse 14. I love this. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable unto, acceptable in thy sight O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. What an incredible way to end this amazing song. What is the prayer? It mentions two behaviors. You see them? The words of my mouth 
and the meditation of my heart. You know, one comes from the other. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, the scripture says about our words, Proverbs 13, 3. My, mom's, my mom said this one to me a lot too. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life. But he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. Um, there's another, this isn't on the screen, but there's another proverb that says, even a, fool is counted of, even a fool is counted as wise when he keeps his mouth shut, essentially. Even the dumb person, seem, people think they're smart if they just don't talk. Kind of funny. James 3 says, For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. See, the aim of the word of God is to help make us righteous. The aim of scripture is to shape our behavior and conform us into the image of Christ. The scripture is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. But it's just, it isn't just aimed at behavior modification. How does it change our behavior? It seeks to change our heart, the meditation of our heart. I'll be really quick because I know I'm over time. Here's what Luke 6, 45 says. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you want to change what comes out of this bottle, you got to change what's in the bottle. It isn't about controlling your mouth. It's about controlling what's in your heart. Because if what's in your heart is right, then what comes out your mouth will be right. How do you get your heart changed? The word gets into us when we get into it so that when we live, the word is what comes out of us in words, in actions, in evangelism, in encouragement, in discipleship, in love, in caring. Who wants to be around people like that? I want to be around people like that. Now at this point you might be saying, so Pastor Ben, you're telling me that all I have to do is read the Bible and try to obey it and God will make me obedient. Well, yes and no. Let's look at the verse one more time. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Now here's the last three things. O Lord, my strength and my, what's the last word? Redeemer. The psalmist calls God by three titles in that last verse. O Lord, who's in charge? My strength. Do you have the capacity to transform yourself? Do you have the strength to do what's right? No, you need God. And how does he do it? Well, he starts with redemption. It starts with salvation. To redeem us means to be bought back. Jesus Christ made us. We sinned. Our sin separated us from God. So God had to buy us back. Jesus Christ died on the cross 
for our sins to pay for those sins on the cross with his blood. He rose again from the dead and he says to us, because I live, you shall live also. We don't need mere behavior modification. We need redemption. We need indwelling. We need regeneration. And when we respond to God's gracious offer of salvation and put our trust in Christ, God's spirit, the author of the book, comes and lives inside of us. And he makes... He changes our hearts so that we can be obedient to him. So if you merely try to keep God's commands on your own without him in your life, you'll, you'll fool yourself at best and fail miserably at worst. If you're saved, God's desire is for you to grow in your relationship with him, in your faith in him, and in your obedience to him. He wants to make you like Jesus. God's plan is to use his word by his spirit to do that in your life. And so... You need to be in God's word whenever you want. You need to be in God's word every day. You need this every day. You should read God's word daily because of the quality of scripture, because of its effect, and because of its aim. What is its aim? To transform us from the inside out. And so... That's my yearly challenge. It won't be the last time you'll hear me say, you need to be in the Bible. You can't just get it in this building at this location. You can, but it's a bad plan. It's my job. It's Miles' job. It's Corey's job. It's our Sunday school teacher's jobs to get into this word until the word gets into us and the word will come out of us in good preaching and teaching. And that's kind of like the photograph that happens from the side from somebody else's perspective. You ever see a picture of yourself from the side? You're like, who's that chubby? Oh, that's me, right? Who's that? Per- oh, that's me. I need, I need change. So that gives you that other perspective. The word of God's like a mirror. You need it every day for God to show you who you are and how to change your life. You need to be in God's word. And so in front of you, there's a reading plan. If you don't have a plan, get one. Get into it. If you, if you, if you do that, that's amazing. If you have a plan, maybe you've been doing that for a while, you've been reading, I would say get a journal, pick a verse, write down what it means, how it applies, how you're going to obey it. Aim where the scripture aims for the heart and the mouth. If you have a plan and you're growing in your obedience, get someone to do it with you. Ask them to hold you accountable. Hold them accountable. Talk, talk about what you're reading and learning and how it's changing you. You can tell them, follow me as I follow Christ. Can I say something, one more thing? Moms and dads, you're called to lead your family spiritually and disciple your kids. You can't do that effectively without interaction in God's word. Your kids need to see you in God's word. Your kids need to hear about how it's affecting your life. Your, get, kids need to, your kids need to know that learning the Bible and memorizing the Bible and trying to obey the Bible isn't just a kid thing. It's a lifelong thing. You need to do that. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. You know who knows who has a good sight? Yeah. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. My God, my strength, O oh Lord, my, 
my strength and my redeemer. Would you bow your eyes and close your eyes with me?